Welcome back to another episode of Two Cops and a Donut. I'm your host, Dirk Mason, and with me, sometimes, is Teddy Maxwell. Well, today, we're recording at Teddy's place, and we're going to be talking about the new trailer that just hit yesterday, Top Gun. Also, we'll be eating some pizza, because I'm Joey Tribbiani. And last, we'll be talking about The Town, starring Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner. So stick with me for another episode of Two Cops and a Donut. It tastes like feet. (laughs) I like it. Are you kidding? What's not to like? Custard? Good. Jam? Good. Meat? Good. Here we go. Teddy Maxwell here representing the 413, the 978, the 508, the 781, and the 617. Holla back at my Dorchester homies. (laughs) The reason we're getting into this is because we're doing the town today. And Teddy Maxwell is indeed from Massachusetts, so it's right up in my neighborhood. I wouldn't say Charlestown, necessarily. That's a little... That was a little more white trash than I can handle. <laughs> the reason why we're here at your pad is uh, we're switching it up a little bit. Yeah, I got sick of driving to Wyoming to go to uh, Dirk's place, so we decided that my place would be a little bit more appropriate for today. Down south in New Mexico. Yeah. And we met in lieu of meeting in the morning, which we normally do. We decided to meet in the afternoon, so Dirk had the idea of uh, eating pizza in lieu of donuts. Yeah. So where'd you get that idea? I just figured since the Halloween episode, we had cereal. <laughs> this Halloween uh, cereal I was like, eh, let's do some pizza today. That was the finest of all of Two Cops and a Donut episodes. But today it's two cops and like four slices of pizza each. Yes, it was delicious. Uh, we got the pizza from Colonas or Colonas, however you pronounce it. 7475 East Arapahoe Road, Centennial, Colorado. And we got the Aloha, which is... It's a Hawaiian pie. Yeah, it was a, it was very good. Yeah, it was pretty good. New York style. We're going to get into, it's interesting because, I don't know, do you follow Barstool Sports on Facebook? I don't. Barstool Sports is a, well, they're based out of New York, but they are Boston based, so pretty much fans of all Boston sports. If you hear clinking, by the way, that's our coffee mugs hitting the, hitting the marble table, the quartz countertop here. <laughs> so, yes, so Barstool Sports does a uh, Dave Portnoy he is the president of Barcel Sports. They call him El Presidente. He does pizza reviews. Hmm. So we'll do something basically to honor El Prez today. And we will judge Colonna's pizza and uh, give it a ranking. So what? Oh, let's start with this. Dirk, <clears throat> what is your favorite kind of pizza? I'd have to say, despite everybody's thoughts on Hawaiian pizza with Canadian bacon and pineapple, it's my favorite. Hawaiian is? Yes. Okay. This, Did you- if you're going with style, I'm going to say either Jersey style or New York, though. What the fuck is Jersey style? I don't know, but it's delicious. There's no such thing. It's New York or it's Chicago. There, I'm going to do a shout out to a place in Wheat Ridge that makes Jersey style pizza, and it is the best. 
Sounds like they're just trying to be different. Probably. But they have really good beer, too. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so, Hawaiian pizza fan. So, you like, wait, so are you claiming that Jersey style pizza because you had it at one pizza parlor one time is your favorite pizza of all time? Yes, because I've never been to New Jersey. No, oh, avoid it. <laughs> You do not want to be on the uh, Jersey Turnpike at 5 p.m. I've been stuck there a time or two, let me tell you. No, I just, it's, I, I think it's just an off, like, style of New York. It seems like it's the big slices, maybe not as thin like the New York style, but it's similar. Hmm, interesting. There's a lot, you know, in the past couple of years, like more trendy, more, um, I call it hip. Anything new, I call it hipster. I just classify if it's new and it's somewhat decent, I call it hipstery. It's all right. Well, if you have a beard and a man bun, I mean, pretty much calling a duck a duck, right? Well, I have one of those. Yeah, you do. <laughs> anyway, there's a place in Colorado over in the mountains off of I-70 called Bojo's. Huh. Now, Bojo's Pizza, they make a 14-pound pizza. Whoa. Yeah, it's rather large. Um, I saw it on Facebook. I went after my last gambling trip and... Funny I didn't get the invite. <clears throat> Weird, right? Oh, then I guess our invitations must have been lost in the mail. No. I think it's very possible, Wayne, that she didn't even send us invitations. Bad luck. Old Dirk here doesn't doesn't roll the die too well, we'll just say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, we went to Bojo's celebratory and um, tried to squeeze a burp out there. It didn't work. Uh, didn't work out too well. I uh, know. Um, Bojo's was great. Actually, really, really good. We didn't get the 14-pound pizza, but we got the normal, whatever style pizza it is. It's kind of a mix between Chicago style and New York style. Really? They're yeah, doing 14 pounds, not even in a deep dish? Mm-mm. That's crazy. And uh, the big sell th- uh, there is their crust is very, very doughy and okay. big, and they have honey on the table for your crust so just because you were closer or you lived closer to new york i've seen or heard things that they're saying that like new york style pizza is all in the water is that true i've heard that so they have a place uh in colorado springs called boriello brothers which is new york style pizza it's very good nowhere near as good as actual real new york style pizza but this is colorado and the food sucks here so we'll give it a pass yeah anyway um they say something along the lines of i've heard of them like we ship we ship in water from new york you know, we use only kosher salt, you know, from the, the docks down in Brooklyn, like shit like that. So I don't know if it's true. I have no idea. And being a pizza connoisseur that I am, like I said earlier about being Joey Tribbiani, that's, I love pizza. So I kind of, any pizza that I eat, I'm not going to say it's bad pizza. Yeah, there's no such thing as bad pizza. Um, so how would you rate the one we had today as you're tearing some paper towel sorry I, I no one wants to hear the clinking of my mug on this table so i'm gonna create a little bit of padding here uh let's see today's pizza the hawaiian i'm a big hawaiian fan wait first you asked me what's your if you order a pizza what's on what's on teddy's pizza i order two pizzas typically love new york style i like chicago style i've been to chicago and had their pizza there and it's very good but you have to be in the mood for it right right it's thicker it's more cakey it's more like there's more air in it i would say in the dough mm-hmm. um sauce goes on top which is weird but okay uh new york style though i would say that extra cheese straight up don't need anything fancy on it just an extra cheese pizza or i go with jalapenos and pepperoni because uh teddy likes a little spice in his life you know what i'm saying i do i like that too that's my second there you go although i didn't mention the name of the place in wheat ridge it's called right coast pizza and i get the black and blue pizza which represents like the 
black and blue burger. So it has burger with blue cheese. It's awesome. It also represents your penis after sex. But um. <laughs> black and blue. Uh, let's. Okay. Wait. Wait. So you want my ranking on this, right? Yep. Six and a half, maybe seven. Yeah, I'll put it right there yeah. too. Which is good. I would say anything under five. Okay, let, let me give you like a gauge of where I'm at right now. Have you ever heard of eat? No, Elio's is a what, eat, what, East Coast. We're just going back to the East Coast today. Yeah. They used to have these frozen pizzas called Elio's pizzas. Okay, I've heard of them. Yes, yeah. And you, we'd get them in like lunch lines, you know, like in like fucking fourth grade or whatever. They're almost like on the half a sub bun, right? Or am I No, right? no, I know what you're talking about. It's something similar to that. Like okay. a frozen pizza just right out of a box. Anyway, an Elio's pizza, I give a solid one. I would say Little Caesars is like a five. So that's where I rank. And a 10 is like the best pizza you've ever had in your life. Have you had Red Coast? I have not no. had Red Coast. Okay. Well, maybe we'll do that again on the next one. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, record at Red Coast, see what they have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Another reason why I'm wearing this t-shirt, Teddy. Oh, God. Is I'm wearing a Top Gun t-shirt because of the trailer that just came out yesterday. Yeah. Uh, ugh. Dirt came walking in today just sporting a Top Gun t-shirt. <laughs> Just in love with Tom Cruise over here. So we're going to discuss a little bit of that later. I'm a Tom Cruise fan. Mm. So I like Tom Cruise, too. I like Tom Cruise, too. You mentioned you don't like him, though, in the original 1986 Top Gun. It's not that I didn't like him. I didn't like the movie. I thought the movie was just way blown out of proportion. Like People compare that movie like like the 80s, and they're like, yeah, like the top five movies of the 80s, <laughs> or like Back to the Future, The Breakfast Club, Top Gun. I'm like... And not to steal anything from John Mulaney, but that's saying, like, <laughs> I like filet mignon and Skittles. <laughs> so. Well, I liked the movie. I don't think it's very good because of just how it, uh, I guess, the production. I don't know. The story is meh. Yeah. Right? There's no really story to it. And what they're going to do with this one, like they do with every other goddamn fucking Top Gun or every other remake after a long period of time, is they're going to try to hit your nostalgia bone. A little bit. Right. Like him riding on like the, the crotch rocket Kawasaki down like the airstrip. Like, the original yeah. Kawasaki, yeah. Yeah, like fucking stupid. Well, I'm just going to get into some real quick stats about the 86. Dude, we're still in the pizza part. Oh, all right. What do you got? Dude, we got to go to news first. Then we'll talk about movies. No, no, no. We're hitting Top Gun first. Then we'll go to news. All right. We'll just... You know what? You restructured the whole thing last time, so I'll just go with whatever <laughs> Dirk has in mind here. All right, some stats about Top Gun, the original, 86. Uh, budget was $15 million. It only made $2 million opening day. That's really fucking weird to me. Super. The way people jerk off to that movie, you would think that it made, like, talking, like, Avatar-esque box office shit. Well, I guess I, I was not even thought of yet, obviously, in 86, but, like... I knew about Days of Thunder before Top Gun. Well, Days of well, there's there's a reason for that because Days of Thunder is a great movie, exactly. and Top Gun gargles my nutsack. <laughs> so, Top Gun uh, ended up worldwide with 356 million gross. Yeah, because you know that fucking the like, reason it did so well in the U.S. Everyone's like, oh, this is kind of a corny movie. Like, ah, oh, like I want to see fucking Tom Cruise, Cruise greased up and playing volleyball. And then you have people in fucking Germany. Like, he's more famous overseas. He's like Michael Jackson worldwide. So people are like, oh my God, Tom Cruise. It's probably because he does all this 
Mission Impossible overseas. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I, I don't buy it anymore. Sorry, the first one, sure. Second one, maybe, but it's getting a little ridiculous. The reason why I bring it up is because I was excited to see the trailer yesterday, and it looked pretty cool. There was really nothing. I guess it's just him flying the fucking the jet, and I thought it was cool. Okay, I will say the trailer looks good. Yeah. Um, I really like the speech he gets at the beginning, where the you know he's. It was so long ago. Right. He was a lieutenant in the first one. So when it comes out, it'll be 34 years later. Right. He's a lieutenant in the first one, and he's a naval aviator. He's a pilot in the Navy. So they do their rankings. I was in the Army, so they do their rankings a little bit differently. Lieutenants. So basically, he's like, you're a captain. Right. And I'm pretty sure a captain is an 06, which is the equivalent to a colonel in the Army. But he's like, you should be a general by now, et cetera, et cetera. But he still likes flying. and Yeah, he doesn't know why he's still at the level he is. Whatever, it's a fucking plane. Right. <laughs> it's not he, like you're he running just, really fast. He just or, likes flying. Yeah. Like, fucking Tom Cruise sitting there old as dirt, <laughs> still fucking flying against these young bucks. Evidently, fucking Val Kilmer's in it, and he, we discussed this earlier, he looks awful. I feel really bad for Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um, I recently saw a video of Val Kilmer where he talks, he has his kids with him, who are <laughs> both really good looking little kid. When I say kids, they're like in their 20s. Right. And, you know, they ask him about his favorite favorite movie roles and stuff like that. And so. they should have said Heat. I think Heat was one of them. Yeah. I can't rem- quite remember. It's a really cool interview. It's like a five minute video. You can find it on YouTube. And I think he said his favorite movies were like, or his kids, they ask his kids too. Like, hey, what, what were your dad's favorite, your favorite movie, your dad's? I think his daughter said Top Gun and his little son said something along the lines of like The Saint or something. That was a, actually like a good movie too. Didn't even say Batman. Did they say Batman? No, Batman was fucking awful. Yeah. Batman Forever was garbage, man. <laughs> Joel Schumacher needs to hang himself with a fucking piano wire. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that's basically all I have to say about Top Gun. I'm excited for the new one to come out. I knew they were remaking it. I just, they never released the re- release date until yesterday. When's the release date, do you know? June 2020. Oh, so like a whole year from now. Yeah. I guess they piece together, they do all like the dailies and everything, and they piece together trailers and make it for, sitting there going like, if they film the whole thing, does it take that long to edit? I, I don't know. I edit one of these episodes in like 20 minutes. Yeah. And this I, is top quality shit. I'm going to assume that they're already in post-production. Yeah, of course. So if they're already putting out the trailer. Now Tom Cruise can start jumping on couches and fucking laughing hysterically at people. Yeah, it says IMDb in post-production. There you go. Cha-ching. IMDb fucking finally doing its job and giving you relevant information. Yeah. Very cool. So up next, Dirk, what do we have? The news. The news. Stand by. Let's go to Brian Fantano live on the scene. With a Channel 4 News exclusive. Brian? And to watch. The mood is tense. I have been on some serious, serious reports, but nothing quite like this. I, 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 uh, Ching King is inside right now. I tried to get an interview with him, but they said, nope, you can't do that. He's a live bear. He will literally rip your face off. Hey, you're making me look stupid. Get out here, panda jerk. Great story. Compelling and rich. Here we're back with our second segment. No, this is going to be third segment. It's my second segment because someone was like, hey, hey technically hey, it's second. Don't come on the show anymore. We don't need you. <laughs> and then the people that actually do listen to our show, the few, emailed, fucking emailed um, Dirk and said, hey, Dirk, uh, yeah, we want Teddy back. Teddy is the star of the show and we need him. So I didn't see that email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must have gotten lost in the shuffle. Must have went to your junk folder. <laughs> 
So, in this week's news, I know that you have some interesting things to talk about. It's kind of in our backyard in Colorado. So, what yeah, happened? But we're gonna, no, we're going to let you go first. Tie it up. Let me go first? Yep, because I have no idea what you're about to slam out on the table. Well, okay. So, last week, uh, Dirk was a little upset with me, a little upset with Teddy, because Teddy went over conspiracy theories and really didn't talk much about... Uh, law enforcement what? Law enforcement stuff. So, in order to basically satisfy... Dirk here, uh, I decided to find something a little bit more law enforcement friendly, a little bit more relevant to law enforcement. So here we go. <laughs> Valiant Thor, <laughs> the alien that lived at the Pentagon. And so- here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Stand by, folks. You can pause or fast forward for the next 15 seconds or 30 seconds, however long this takes. No, this is awesome. Okay, how many emails did we receive about our conspiracy theory stuff? We received quite a few because people like, they like... Okay, people that like conspiracy theories really, really have a lot of don't have a lot going on in their lives. I'd imagine. So you're one of those. I never claim to be fucking <laughs> have a lot going on. I never claim to have a life. Okay, so here we go. We're gonna start with Doctor Frank Strangis. Doctor Frank Strangis uh, published a book in 1967 called Strangers at the Pentagon. Doctor Strangis was a Christian preacher and founder of the International evangelical crusades as well as being a ufo hunter and freelance private investigator he is perhaps most famous for being an extensive author author excuse me on the subject of alien intervention and even used his evangelical organization of public ufo literature he's a unique figure in the conspiracy world beep boop beep christian don't care and here we go (laughs) valiant thor in the book dr strangers claims that sometimes in night sometime in 1957 he was given photographs of valiant thor and his second in command jill and that he had proof what is his name dr strange strangest oh yeah it's strange with like an s on the end strangest it's kind of like i feel like they were like didn't finish his name (laughs) like his last name is not incomplete stein there should be a stein at the end strange stein berg strange berg (laughs) So what is this Valiant Thor? Wait, wait, wait. Thing? I'm reading. I'm gonna read a little thing that I'm gonna talk about. Val, our good, our good buddy Val. He's one of our uh, our allies from space. Um, <laughs> so Valiant Thor and his second in command Jill uh, had been displaying these photographs as proof of their existence at lecture tours he was giving at the National Evangelist Center. It was then uh, in one of these lectures for the release of the book Sasarama, 1959. He was approached by a woman named Nancy Warren, a Pentagon insider who offered him the chance to meet Val and speak with him. The story Val presented. W- the story Val presented him was that on March 16, 1957, in Alexandria, Virginia, Val's ship, the Victor One, landed, and he was with his crew of three, Jill, Don, and Tanya. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is uh, my my homeboy, Jill. It's my girlfriend. I just imagine them coming out with, like, torn jeans and, like, fucking, like, street toughs, 1950s street toughs. Stay away from my car. Um <laughs> He and his three crew, Jill, Don, and Tanya, were greeted by two police officers and after some quick thought transference, had them call their superior officer who called the Pentagon and had a meeting arranged with Neil H. McElroy, the Secretary of Defense. Once McElroy confirmed the veracity of Val's claims, he was ushered through the underground tunnel to the White House where he met with none other than Dwight D. Eisenhower. I thought you were going to say Nicolas Cage looking for the <laughs> Declaration of Independence. <laughs> National Treasure. Who is Val for? <laughs> Um, funny I should say that because I did see a meme earlier to where it said when people are when people are storming the gates at Area 51, Nicolas Cage is meanwhile stealing the Declaration of Independence. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. 
Yeah. <laughs> and interestingly enough, one thing I never think about, I was like, oh, they'll shoot you. They're going to have, like, F-17 Raptors flying over, just, like, strafing the area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he met with Dwight D. Eisenhower and Richard Nixon, who, interestingly enough, was the vice president in the 50s. I didn't know that. Uh, now already, this story seems a little bit hard to follow. Mm-hmm. And like cornflakes made of sandpaper, even harder to swallow. Well, play on words. <laughs> anyway, the knowledge I have on Valiant Thor. Valiant Thor had an IQ of 1,200. He could speak every single language. Who is this? Wait, are okay. you talking about an alien? Yeah, yeah, it's an alien. Dude. And he has a friend named Jill. Yeah, and Don and Tanya. Who are also aliens. They're aliens, dude. Okay. Just so I'm following here, so yeah. everybody else at home listening, are they, they're into it as Sound well. Sound a bit skeptical. Yeah. No. So here's the deal. <laughs> Valiant Thor landed his plane. It was met by two officers who probably drew down on him with their four-inch Smith & Wessons and was like, hands, hands, let me see those hands. <laughs> and Val's like, my name is Val. <laughs> this, is, like, this is Jill. <laughs> this is Claxor. <laughs> I am Val. <laughs> We mean you no harm. <laughs> no, they did thought transference. So they didn't even talk to them. It just went in their brains and was like, we're peaceful, sentient beings from the planet Venus. We need to meet with your high commander, Dwight um, Eisenhower and Richard Nixon. That's basically the long and short of it. I know being a cop here, <laughs> that if I saw a spacecraft land, I don't think I'd be driving them to the governor's office. <laughs> yeah, here. Hop in the back. We'll just take you over here to Jack Nicholson and let him put a fucking spear through your heart, <laughs> like in Mars Attacks. Why... Are you doing this? Why? Isn't the universe big enough for both of us? <laughs> uh, 304 dispatch. Dispatch, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be transporting uh, three Venusian aliens to the governor's office, uh, starting mileage 114. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. By the way, I am not in control of my body. <laughs> So he meets with the president. Um, like I said, he has a 1200 IQ. He can um, because they had time to measure his IQ. Well, the event he was there for three. Years. Let me get to the goddamn story, you <laughs> son of a bitch. So it turns out he was there from 1957 to 1960. They say has an IQ of 1200. Speaks every language that we have. Not only that, he speaks all dialects of every language. Right. He basically says to the president, um, "Hey, we're from Venus." And they're like, well, we've seen Venus. <laughs> like, we have telescopes. Like, you guys aren't, like, digging channels and irrigation ditches on the surface because it's, like, a thousand <laughs> degrees. He tells them that they live within the planet of Venus. Oh. Yes, they live under the surface. And he says, the core. Yeah. says Mercury. says a lot of the, the planets. Mars also. They have similar things going on. said they've been watching Earth for hundreds of years. We thought. It, it's always assumed that we started seeing alien spacecraft mm-hmm. after we, uh, 1945. After we started lighting off nuclear weapons right kind of because it reverberates the universe and they're like oh shit they were like yeah you guys did that but we've been watching you guys for hundreds of years and uh the reason they came down was basically val was like they call him val um basically val uh said we can save you guys we have all these plans for you guys we can help you if you guys are interested in help evidently dwight d eisenhower and richard nixon were like (laughs) richard nixon's like let me think it over (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like, um, we don't know about that. Basically, like, we can end world hunger and, you know, uh, stop your use of fossil fuels. Like, we can save your energy crisis. Problem solved. Yeah, and they're like, nah, we don't really want that. And then he told, gave a wink to one of those cops and said, pull out that four-inch Smith & Wesson and <laughs> there goes Val and Jill. <laughs> Val's green brains go flying across the ceiling. Yeah, so they said that to them. They, um... 
and basically they said we are like because evidently valiant thor is like they said he was like one of the most handsome people and jill was gorgeous and fucking don and tanya were both like stunningly beautiful and they're like yeah we um basically just want to help you guys and we will advise you so evidently valiant thor stayed at the pentagon for three years and was an advisor to the president during that time (laughs) they didn't want to take their advice on the fossil fuels on like the world peace thing because of what do you think the economy so like everyone will be out of work and valiant thor's like well why do you need money (laughs) we're giving it all to you you know what i mean good point um so there's pictures of val thor floating around the internet there was a few times he was actually photographed i wanna i we're probably gonna pause this after the next segment so i can see val where's val now so they say that I've heard stories that Val Valiant Thor stayed at the Pentagon indefinitely. Like he's got like a vacation house in Nantucket. He's just chilling out. <laughs> they have him. They have him wrapped up in chains in the basement. But like. they also said that Val Thor went back to Venus in 1962. He took his spacecraft, the Victor One, and <laughs> back to Venus. I just so. hear the jet Jetsons. <laughs> So that's a true story. I believe that 100%. We definitely had an alien come here and try to talk some sense into our presidents. And our presidents were like, no, we're not going to take that advice. He ended up taking a picture with uh, Tommy Lee Jones for Men in Black. Yeah. And the last picture I saw, he had a Margarita t-shirt, Margaritaville t-shirt hanging off him. So yeah, I think Val Thor probably discovered women and booze when he got here. And it was like, screw all this uh, fossil fuels and all this stuff. He's mm-hmm. just, I want women. Yeah, the last I heard, he was living in a homeless shelter off of Colfax Ave, but <laughs> that's beside the point. Anyway, that's Valiant Thor. I would suggest anyone that's interested in reading on Valiant Thor, you can get uh, Doctor Strange's book. It's called uh, Visitor at the Pentagon, and I would get that if you're interested. Or you can just go on. There's a lot of like conspiracy websites that write about them, and I don't know where all the info came from. That's probably the only thing that's weird about this story. It's like, where did the info come from? Or go to your local uh, marijuana shop and get something with high <laughs> THC levels and then read the book. <laughs> so that's my bit of law enforcement information for the day. Dirk, what's yours? Well, back to the actual news. <laughs> uh, we had some stuff happen here locally in Colorado, which we've said before on the podcast, we do not like to get political. Mm-mm. Agreed. Over don't here, like, both don't, sides don't like politics. Both sides of the table agree. The only politics I want to talk about are alien politics. Is what Donald J. Trump can shoulder press. <laughs> I'm hearing he's doing two twenty five <laughs> sets of ten, just repping it out. He does working sets, four sets of ten, two two five. But that's what I heard. That's the only thing I want to talk about politics wise. Well, last week we had there's uh, apparently there's a an ice facility in Aurora. Um, not yes. a lot of people probably know about that, but uh, I didn't even know. Yeah, I know some Aurora cops that didn't know about it. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I apparently this thing isn't even ran like by ice. It's outsourced. Yeah, it's a privatized, right? Privatized, privatized prison, like most of federal prisons are privatized. So yeah. you would think an ICE detention facility would just be overrun with like border patrol, like agents and, you know, like armed people and stuff. But this is like, it's not like that. It's, Private it's, yeah, it's yeah. privatized. It's not like that at all. So from the news that I heard, that's the uproar here in the metro area, is that some people were upset over the immigration things that are happening around the... Dirk, I'm going to stop you if you're going to be PC and just dance around the issue. Don't even want to hear it. So just let it out. Enlighten me. Do you know more? This is your news. (laughs) I'll interject every now and again. I'll cut you off. Don't worry. 
To be honest, I really don't know, because I told you last time, I don't watch the news. Dirk doesn't turn on Channel 9 or 6. This is all over everything. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, (laughs) AOL.com, everything. I know. All I know is is that some people went down there, tore down, or went beyond the barriers of what they were allowed, took down the United States flag, attempted to burn it, Mm -hmm. which, shame on them. Regardless of your political status. Sure. Shame, oh, sure, sure. shame, shame. Uh, they put up the Mexican flag and uh, put up a thin blue line flag and said, fuck the police. Yeah, and they did it upside down. Yeah. Super disrespectful. Now, as most people know, burning the flag is a form of free speech. Uh, the Supreme Court case on that, 1989, Texas v. Johnson. You're interested in understanding why they considered it open free speech burning the flag. It was illegal before 1989. If you burned the flag, illegal. Yeah, you were going to get some like chin treatment. You were going to get some sidewalk treatment. Like people were very, very upset about it. And then the case of Texas v. Johnson, 1989, came about and the Supreme Court said that it is. It's a form of speech, burning the flag. Still disrespectful. But it's very disrespectful, and that's not the um, what they're claiming is illegal in this case. What they're claiming is illegal is that there were barriers put up outside the ICE facility. Correct. By crossing said barriers, you are now trespassing, which is a crime. Correct. Taking a flag down is theft. Theft, trespass. And trespass, and destruction of property. Yes, because so, they didn't own it. They didn't own it. So they, uh, uh, last I saw, the Aurora Police Department has been putting out um, pictures of the people. A lot of pictures were taken yeah. um, during the protest um, of the people, and they're going to try to positively identify them and apprehend them. So my thought on it is, if you do that, then you should charge them both in the state and federally. Yeah. Because there's mean, no double jeopardy when it comes to that. You can charge someone in state, because they broke federal law, too, by doing that. Correct. So... Uh, all I have to say uh, as being a police officer is that I really don't appreciate it uh-huh. um, because, yes, I know that there are some shitbags out there that are people that are wearing a uniform and badge, mm-hmm. but I'd say 99% of us cops are not bad, and we don't take it personally if you want to, but I guess I really don't. But I just think it's like I don't go to your work and shame you. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. It's just like, it's stupid. I don't go to my local subway and be like, you're making that sandwich wrong. And <laughs> light a six-inch veggie on fire. <laughs> like, you <laughs> bastards. Yeah, I don't do that either. It, it pisses me off. I think more so, um, I went to a Rockies game recently, last week, and there were, there, it's just people are protesting everything just for the fucking sake of protesting. I, right. I think one of the big ones, the one down at the stadium was, they were protesting circumcision. Okay. So there was a bunch of people wearing white overalls that had painted red around their crotches and were holding signs. They looked like painters. Bro. Right. Like they're all walking around and they're like, no circumcision, no circumcision. And I was like, just people are finding anything to fucking bitch about. I'm like, how do you have the time? Honestly, how do you have the time? I, I don't know. Where I grew up, I feel like everybody was working. Here, I mean... Two o'clock on a Friday afternoon, and the streets are packed full of people. What are the, what are all these people doing? I think the big thing now is a lot of people work from home. You can teleconference, and you can have a job where you work 100% from home. I've seen a lot of that because I'll go to the gym at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's packed. Yeah. Oh, and the reason I'm doing that, okay, I'm not being hypocritical. I have, uh, we both have jobs where we work weird hours. Yeah. So I start my shift at 12 p.m. Uh, Dirk starts his at 3 p.m. 
So I can go to the gym at nine or 10 and still make it to work and have a 40 hour work. So don't think I'm fucking being hypocritical. Like, well, what are you doing at the gym at 10 a.m.? True, I get that. But I guess most of the people that should be off or aren't working at the times that we aren't working mm-hmm. are people on shift work. like Shift work, yeah. yeah. Nurses, doctors, EMTs, firefighters, police, stuff like that. Yeah, and I know there but are yeah. 200,000 of those people here that just oh, I love it don't too. work every day. Go to a Rockies game on Wednesday at 1 p.m. They often have those, and you just see the look on everyone's faces, man. Like, they have this sneaky little secret. Like, ooh, we're playing hooky from work. And I'm like, god damn, you sons of bitches. Get out of my seats. (laughs) I set my mouse down for five seconds, and I didn't earn my $350,000 paycheck. True that. That's enough about the political side of all immigration and everything. I just would say, after sum it all up, with don't respect the country that you're living in. That's you it. don't respect it? No, I'm saying don't disrespect. Sorry if yeah, I totally. didn't clarify the country yeah. that you're living in. If you don't like it, fucking leave. Yeah, but people don't think that way. Yeah. The hypocrisy is so thick, I can fucking can't even, I can't stand it. So, as you can tell, Teddy didn't add too much into this because Teddy doesn't like this topic. Well, well we had to talk about it because it just happened. Well, whatever. Well, I'd say that's enough of that, and let's get into where real America is the town, Charlestown. Ms. Kesey, I would like to start with your abduction. Four men made me open the safe. They took me as a hostage. Were you able to see anything at all through the blindfold? No. When someone endures an experience like this, there are often residual effects. (laughs) Okay. Just having a bad week. I like to have a good cry at the nail salon. Why should we buy a drink? There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of these professionals live in a one square mile neighborhood called Charlestown. Is your parents still here? My mother moved away and my father. He don't get out much. I'm thinking about making a change. Making a change. Either you got here or you don't. You used to hang around with Doug McCray a little bit, huh? How do you know Dougie? I work for the FBI. I'm putting this whole town in my revenue. You grew up right here. Same rules that I did. I hear you got sweet new girlfriend. Secret's this one. If I think anything might happen to her, I'm gonna kill both of you. Are you in love with me? Yes. She didn't say anything. Get that in your head. This is the not screwing around crew. So find me something that looks like a print because this not screwing around thing is about to go both ways. I want to go with you. I'm leaving with somebody else. If we get jammed up, we'll hold them caught on the street. I just want you to know that you're going to die in federal prison. side or the other. As he plans his next job, a longtime thief tries to balance his feelings for a bank manager connected to one of his earliest earlier heists, as well as an FBI agent trying to <laughs> looking to bring him down and his crew. 
This that is, part was that's like the best take out of five. For no, get out of here. <laughs> We're talking about the town. If you didn't know, 2010 starring Ben Affleck, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner, and. Whoever this Rebecca Hall girl is. Oh, yeah. We weren't a fan of her. <laughs> so we watched this movie. I've seen it probably 20 times, but I haven't seen it in the last, like, five years. So we just rewatched it, and uh, it's as tight as I remember. Yeah, I really do like this movie. Sure. I think Ben Affleck did a uh, tremendous job directing, eh, acting. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I think, you know, being from Boston, I, they're... Again, their accents, I just think that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck way overdo it. They do. I mean, they haven't lived there in a long time, and they just, they're they just way overboard, so. You know what I wonder? If they have to actually take accent classes to get it back, you know get what I mean? Get the accent back? Dude, I haven't lived in Boston for like 16 years, and I can just do it on call. <laughs> it's a funny accent to do, to try. <laughs> you have to, if you're listening to this, you have to try it. It's fun. Well, every asshole out there has been like, pack the car and have it, yeah. Like, it's fucking so stupid. We no. have the khakis. You got to be like, dude, I want a Bud Light. I want a fucking extra large onion ring. And I want a, a tall regular from Dunkies. That'll prove how, how much of a Bostonian you are. Dunkies, definitely. Dunkies. Um, so we're just going to go first impressions on this film. Awesome. It was really, really well thought out. I thought it was it was cool. There's a really good action scenes. Um, I thought the story itself. I mean, you have the protagonist is Doug McRae, played by Ben Affleck. Right. Who was kind of a uh, Charlestown local. Charlestown's a very, very small hamlet within Boston. Known to have a lot of crime. A very Irish Catholic area. Not very ethnically diverse. So he was a small town hero. Uh, got drafted into the pros, but really never made it past minor leagues due, For to his, hockey. due to his drug addiction and partying and stuff like that. So, kind of starts off with him, he and his crew knocking over a bank. So, um, overall rating, right out when you first saw it, what do you think? Seven out of ten. Seven. Yeah, I'm gonna go right there. With, I'm gonna say seven point five. Yeah, that's just pretty solid. I mean, let's go ratings, right? So one for me would probably be. Toxic Avenger. Top Gun. No, Top Gun's <laughs> not that far down. It's it's low, but it's not that low. Um, and a 10 would probably have to be like a, you know The Departed or something like that. Oh, so... The Departed. Okay, yeah. Or, you know, Casino or some Scorsese film or, you know, something along those lines. I'm also a very big fan of Peter Berg. Yeah, he does good. I really don't... Like, I remember seeing it the first time, and I was super stoked. Like, it's kind of like that... You get the aspect of there is law enforcement in it, but it is strictly about the gang, the crew, and how they get away with all this shit, so... Yeah, they closely follow the the lead FBI agent on it. It's played by John Hamm, who is Archer, basically. Yes. Um, he does a really good job. The, the only thing I don't like about it, he, he'll shine on the old Boston accent, like, in and out of the movie, which I thought was very weird. You didn't you didn't knock over a star market for a box of Carters. You and your boys didn't just roll a star market over in Malden for a box of Carters. No, you decided to bang it out in the North End at nine o'clock in the morning with assault rifles. Like get the fuck out of here, John Ham. Stick to what you know. I think he was making fun of him, but oh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They didn't make that very clear if he was. <laughs> um, so basically the idea is is like there's really no you know, if you're looking at character development, you have I think Doug, who's kind of the more the most level-headed out of his crew, that sees like an end to his criminal you know career basically. Like doesn't want to end up like his dad. Yeah, 
His dad went to prison for knocking over a Brinks truck like 20 years prior and uh, killing two guards. So he doesn't want to end up like his dad, but, and you know, he's, you see small improvements. He was a drug addict before an alcoholic. And at this time he kind of cleaned his life up quite a bit. Right. If you count <laughs> not doing drugs, but he's still <laughs> committing armed robbery <laughs> on like a daily basis, cleaning up your life. But he's doing that with the idea that he wants to kind of get out of that lifestyle and get out of Charlestown. Yes, and um before I go any further, budget on this thing was thirty seven million. Good job. Um, Good job, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Made made uh twenty three point eight ish opening weekend. Good. And then uh worldwide growth, so hundred and fifty four mil. Nice. I have to talk about Jeremy Renner's character. Yeah, everyone talks about him in this movie. Boston accent, we'll give him a six not horrible he's not like overly doing it it's subtle it's, it's not, subtle yeah, yeah it's not overdone it's not overdone um like how do you like them apples yeah <laughs> i got a number um i pulled up to him on a i took him down with a glock 21 i think the biggest <laughs> thing with jeremy renner and a lot of people have used this and they have championed this as a sign of friendship and it is a line in the movie where Ben Affleck is going to commit some very serious crimes, and he walks in and uh, says, what, to Jeremy Renner? He goes, I don't want you to ask me any questions uh, about this later, but we're going to go hurt some people. And he's like, who's Kawi taking? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like, hey, I need your help doing something that's dangerous and illegal. You can't ask me about it. and um, We're never talking about yeah, it again. We can't talk about it again and without question, just, okay, let's yeah. go. So he's got that loyalty to him. Um, it's kind of divulged in the movie that Jeremy Renner went to prison for nine years for murdering someone who was planning on murdering Doug. Right. Uh, when they were younger. Um, so he's got this like charming loyalty, which you really don't see too much. And I think it's like you kind of only do see it in those like ethnically um, polarized areas where it's just like, you know what I mean? What I'm saying? Like, yeah. you have your Irish Catholic area and they, they have, like you said, that code of silence and like. You grow up there. You never leave there. Your friends are your friends for your entire life. And Jeremy Renner kind of like has that where Ben Affleck's a little bit like, I'm fucking sick of this. Like, I don't want to be around here anymore. Well, and you brought it up too where he's like, he, Ben Affleck, Doug, he's ready to be done with this. But Jeremy Renner's character, uh, Jim or Jim. Yeah. yeah. He, he says that, well, you basically can't leave because you owe me because I saved, like, I saved you. Like, you can't right. just up and go. Right. And he doesn't have an out. For whatever reason, Jim, um, or... He doesn't want to leave, I don't think. He just doesn't know what else he would do. That's his whole life. That's all he's known. You know, he mentions in the movie that, okay, if I leave, then what? What am I going to do? You know what I mean? This is, that's his home. And he knows he's going to end up either in jail or dead. Yeah. But he still continues to do it. So they have some really, really, really cool action scenes here. The whole opening movie, which I think really grabs you, is they rob a bank. Just kind of how precise and how surgical they are with how they, they rob the bank is pretty impressive. Yeah, it shows that they know what they're doing and they've done it before. Right, right. And that's what I think they're like Ben Affleck's trying to portray through that whole thing is they're just fucking they're doing their business, they know how to do it and they do it well. Yeah, yeah. And it was a great way to start the movie because I think it captures the audience right away and you're like, Whoa, what am I in for here? Uh, you have that one, and then you have a lot of the story building, uh, a lot of relationship building, introducing of characters. Then you have the second major robbery where they dress up as nuns and they hit a Brinks truck, and um, it doesn't really go their way, but they have some great action scenes, you know, car chase, shootout with the um, Boston Police Department, and they eventually get away. And then the last one would be the Fenway Pack. <laughs> 
taking down the Cathedral of Boston. The Cathedral of Boston, Lansdowne <laughs> Street, Teddy fucking Williams. Yeah, they go to Fenway and they try robbing it. So they have like kind of three major, it's like the, the intro robbery, the middle robbery where it's showing like, okay, while everything has gone very well before, there's basically there is a lot of issues you guys need to resolve. Right. And now the heat is on to you. And then the third concluding robbery. So, I mean, overall, it was a really, really good movie. Ben Affleck, I mean, if you look at Ben Affleck, you know, he did Good Will Hunting, and it was fucking really good. And then he really shit the bed for about 10 years after that. I call it his J-Lo phase. Um, <laughs> where he did shit rom-coms like Bounce with Sandra Bullock. You know what I mean? Like, he really, like, his his career took a hit for a long time. And then, what was it, Gone Baby Gone in 2007? Yeah. Really, re- he rebounded with that one where he, his brother Casey Affleck. And then, ever since then, he's just been, I think he's been amazing. Yeah, he's done really good. I, I'm glad, like, I saw that he, when I found out he actually wrote the screenplay, directed it, and starring in it, I was, you know, a lot of that stuff, I don't think people get the credit for doing all that, because it's probably a lot of fucking work. Yeah, I... I can't imagine. I for for whatever reason, you know, because we have normal blue collar. I wouldn't say nine to five jobs. But we work like you know Monday through Thursday or Tuesday through Friday or something like that. Yeah. I always wondered how like an A list celebrity worth a hundred million dollars when they what does he sit at his desk at home like and all day just screenplay? write? Yeah. I yeah. Like know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like. Or does he does he like hey I have this idea uh, he's talking to a writer. He's thinking of the idea, and the writer's like, oh, let's do it this way. And he's like, mm, okay. Well, I mean, if, interestingly enough, I mean, it's not that unusual because they wrote Good Will Hunting, which was pretty awesome. You yeah. know what I mean? So he always has been a good writer. I think that the fact that he can direct it as well as he does is good, too. He has kind of a gritty way of directing. Going back, uh, I just wanted to bring this out. Uh, Jeremy Renner did, oh my gosh, I can't think of the movie right now. The one where he was overseas and he was defusing bombs. Oh yeah, the Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker before this, and that's what I think kind of made him stand out. Ugh, it was so depressing. That movie was so depressing. It was, but he did a good job. Yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Renner, I mean, if you look back at the start of his career, he was National Lampoon Senior Trip, and like then he came back with SWAT in the early 2000s. Right. And then, you know, he kind of drifted around doing little parts. He played Jeffrey Dahmer in a movie, which was creepy as fuck. <laughs> uh, he did a lot of low-budget stuff, basically. And then he had uh, kind of a breakout, I would say. When was his breakout? What did he do? I'd say SWAT and then Hurt Locker Hurt was Locker his biggest was his one. breakout, yeah, because that was kind of an indie flick. It didn't really, it was low-budget, kind of an indie flick, the Hurt Locker, and then kind of exploded from there. A lot older than you'd think, yeah, for sure. He, I think he got his break when he was like 40, yeah, 39. He did, yeah. So um, props to him, though. Like he, I heard that like the people in the town that were helping Ben Affleck with mm-hmm. all the action scenes and stuff, they actually told him to tone it down. He knew the reloads. He knew how to do all that stuff. And they were just like, whoa, you're, you look too tactical. Oh, and they, interesting. From doing SWAT and doing all the training for that and Hurt Locker, he, they're yeah. just like, hey, you need to look more kind of kind of gangster oh that's interesting i didn't know that <laughs> yeah i looked that little tidbit up for you and saved it yeah shockingly i mean like um ben foster from lone survivor yeah um if you look at a lot just all the actors in that uh, taylor kish mark Wahlberg, emile hirsch like if you look they did some training yeah <laughs> same with blackhawk down they did a lot of training prior to filming and it's very very it's very evident on screen like there's even one part in that particular movie where ben foster does like a reload mm-hmm. um it's a bolt lock where his rifle goes to bolt lock and he's 
brings it to the high ready. He's looking at his target while he's reloading, and he just goes back to firing. And I was like, wow, that's like textbook. You know what I mean? Right. So these actors, I mean, to some degree, like look at Keanu Reeves and John Wick. To some degree, these guys get more training than people in the actual military because... Which is crazy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 choreographed. It's staged and everything. And anyone can do that if you practice enough. But I don't know. I think it's impressive. And I thought... Um, I think that's funny that you said that about Jeremy Renner because of all of his past training and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of reloads and lockbacks to the <laughs> to the rear and all that, uh, tell me about the scene where they're in uh, at the end oh, of gosh. Fenway Park. Uh, FBI, they actually get a tip from Ben Affleck, Doug. His Blake char- Lively's character. I yeah. can't remember her name. It's something white trashy, though. Yeah. Uh, Christine. Yeah, or something. Um, Fucking drug addict's about to lose her daughter <laughs> and gets it. Hey, we got someone down here with a DWI. <laughs> She's asking for for Agent Colson or whatever his fucking name is. There he is, Mr. Six Inches. What happened? You're a crime stopper. Figure it the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, tell me about the scene where okay. uh, the kid, the other kid. Oh. Before I get into that, the two other actors that were with Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner, I heard or saw, I can't remember on YouTube, but... Um, so the two characters that Dirk is referring to would be Owen Burke, who plays Desmond Des Eldon, and Slane, who plays Albert McGlone. Those are kind of the other two in their crew, because you have the two famous ones, obviously Jeremy Renner and Ben Affleck, and then you have these two, who I thought Slane... The heavy set guy, you know, I thought he did a really good job. The other guy, um, Owen De- Owen Burke. Owen Burke did, didn't really say much, um, but he that that is what your typical fucking piece of trash Southie fucking local looks like. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was just kind of like the tech guy. Yeah, yeah. So. He, he had maybe five or six lines in the whole thing, but Slane had more, and he was. Uh, I thought he did a good job. And you said something along the lines of they were locals of Boston and weren't actors, right? From what I heard, is that they're both from Charlestown, and they uh, somehow Slane got a part in Gone Baby Gone, and that's probably how Ben Affleck knew him. Uh huh. But the other guy auditioned for it because I think they opened it up sure. to locals because they wanted some. Someone with actually like experience in the slang and all this stuff with it. And looks so. like a goddamn look. I mean, they look a textbook fucking Southie, you know? Yeah. In or Charlestown, yeah. Owen Burke, his character, he gets, a uh, spoiler alert, he gets killed. In, Shot right through the nugget. <laughs> yeah, right after the, uh, the robbery at Fenway Park. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> For whatever reason, uh, <laughs> Dirk is perseverating on this one particular thing, and it is a definitely... It's just annoying. It's annoying, and it didn't make it through post-editing, obviously. Uh, there's just a part where there's a big gunfight. Very, very good shootout, by the way, at Fenway Park. And Owen Burke's character, Desmond, gets shot in the head. Immediately after, it smash cuts to the... I, I would assume the FBI agent, It's their hostage rescue... It's HRT. It's like their, their version of SWAT. Right. Shoots him. He has an AR-15, <laughs> or an M4 in military tactic, or military terms. He fires his weapon, hits him in the head, and then they show him pulling back on the charging handle as if to reload a round. Right. As if it's it's some type of bolt-action rifle. Yeah. I think they did that just to be like, hey, we want to show the FBI guy that actually shot him. So Because there was a bunch of them. So they wanted... You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know why, but it looked really fucking stupid if you know anything about guns. You need to pull back on the charging handle to reload a round in an AR-15. Right. And the reason why I brought it up is because, you know... Teddy over here was talking about how 
um, what's his name in Lone Survivor has you know he they actually have the they're looking at the realism of like the situation. Sure. So it's like, did that need to be in there? No. And I pointed out when we were watching it right after that, he like walks up and Ben Affleck <laughs> and stuff. They're like walking out, and the FBI guys are like, "Yeah, that's my kill." Yeah, it's just <laughs> fucking douchebaggery. Like, hey, that one's mine. I'm putting it in my like my fucking folder, my binder or something of like people I've killed, like a notch on my fucking bedpost. You know what I mean? No one wants to do that. No, no one wants to do that. No, no one would want to. Probably wouldn't want to claim it. I would imagine if it's a big gunfight. I mean, yeah. Anyone who fired a round would probably be implemented into that shooting. Wouldn't you imagine? If there yes. was eight of you firing at a guy that's shooting at you, you would all be subject to investigation during the shooting. Yes, and that's like the realistic part that, yeah, you're probably going to be like, but they're not going to know who actually shot him. Right. Because all of them are shooting at him, but he actually comes out and he's like, it's just something that didn't need to be in there, I think. And they focused a little too much on it. I don't, again, I have no idea why. It looked fucking stupid when I saw it. I was like, yeah. Like, I think I rewind, like, rewound. <laughs> I think I went back a number of times. This is like nine years ago when it first came out. And was looking, and I was like, does he have like a bolt action rifle where he needs to pull back on the bolt to re, you know, car- basically chamber another round? Right. And then I was like, that's a fucking AR 15. He doesn't need to do that at all. Yeah, it didn't lock back. He didn't insert a new mag. Right. Like, it's did you have stupid. a double feed, bro? What? Like, no. As I said, Dirk has been just <laughs> hounding me over it. Yeah, it's been eating me up for the past 20 years. Um, I just needed to get it out. So in terms of uh, let, let's rate this. Uh, John Hamm's character. <laughs> Ten years. I mean, this is a this is a law enforcement. We're going to the law enforcement aspect of it, right? Yeah. His investigation, uh, the way they you know kind of did everything, the way he you know went out on his own and started you know trying to find leads, and he goes to the bar to you know talk to Blake Lively's character to try to get info. Right. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, like, overall, like, as an investigator, as the movie went, law enforcement-wise, what do you think? I mean, I, I can't speak from the FBI perspective because I've never, I've never been in the shoes, but uh, I would say it could be plausible of them going out and doing their own investigations, but he kind of took it. It's almost like he, they wanted to show that he took, like, this personal, so he wanted to catch Doug in the crew on his own to make it be, like, his catch. So I think that's why he did it. But I mean, he's like the head, he's the head guy. So if you're looking at it from the aspect of, hey, he's the head guy and he's sending all these minions out to do his work, I think he's just going to sit in the office and wait for him to catch them. But he was the head guy wanting to get out there and catch these guys. So, and you pointed out too, that he like, there's one scene that they, they cut to and he's like got his, his apartment wall or his house wall filled with all these strings and photos and tying everything together. Like we said before, it's not like the crime of the century. So they have like, if it was and they knew all this stuff, they would have more like surveillance. They'd be more surveillance conscious and they would have the crew pinned down more. But they didn't. Yeah. You know, I'd say a couple issues I had with John Hamm's character. I thought he was like good. Like, you know what I mean? He was confident. Like he knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? Um, Knew how to kind of ruffle their feathers, you know, a bit. Yeah. I thought that he was a little too good. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but your typical FBI agent is not typical FBI agent is definitely not like a tactical genius. You know what I mean? Like they had John Hamm going in like balls of deep with a shotgun. Like, you know, I mean, again, you never know how people are going to react when they get into a situation like that. I just thought it was a little implausible how good he was at everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, you get that. I feel like the FBI typically. 
typical F- FBI agent, excuse me, uh, like they have your, they have like math degrees and shit like that. I don't yeah, know if yeah. they're, maybe more field agents are more, I guess, tactical conscience, but uh, he did a good job for the spot. I'm mm-hmm. glad they picked him for it. Me too. Yeah. I can't imagine really anyone else doing that. No. And we talked about earlier about the characters in here and how good they did. The one person that we both didn't like was the main girl. Blake Lively? No. The, the Oh, Rebecca Hall's character. Yeah. She's an English actress, by the way. Okay. I just didn't like her. There was nothing that stood out about her. She's pretty plain Jane. I didn't see anything about her that would prompt Doug McRae to risk jail time in order to get to know this person. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a weird type of uh, maybe a Stockholm thing. I don't know. Like, yeah, he just, I just I didn't buy it. I didn't yeah. like her. Um, I don't know. I mean, but maybe it was the character the way it was written. You know, yeah. it was very, very plain. So I they didn't. Know. Maybe they didn't want a big name actress in that spot either, like you were saying. So yeah. Um, I think that wraps up the town. The town. Uh, well, give me a rating. Rating seven point five. I, I give it a seven point five. Yeah. I give it a seven. That's right. Uh, good, solid movie. Good, solid cop movie too. I'm definitely a fan of it. So, yep. Next week we're gonna stray a little bit off topic, and um, because we're not gonna do a movie per se, we're gonna do a mini series. We're gonna do season one of True Detective. Ooh. 2014. Threw that one in my face. Yeah. I like it. A little bit of Rustin Cole for you. A little I, bit of Matthew McConaughey. I love True Detective. Yeah. Probably one of the best miniseries, you know, save for Band of Brothers or HBO. Just, just They just nail those miniseries, dude. Yeah. So we're going to be doing that next. And um, in terms of concluding this episode, we're coming up with the call of the week. So stand by for that. On this episode's call of the week, Dirk has a doozy. What do you got, Dirk? <laughs> Pleasant intro, thank you. Uh, this is back in 2013-ish. I just was probably on the road for maybe six months to eight months after the Academy. When you say the Academy, where are we talking here? New Mexico. Where in New Mexico? Uh, well, I went to the Academy in Santa Fe. Okay. But where I, did you work? I worked in Roswell. Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. You knew what I was getting at. You were just beating around the bush there. Conspiracy this. My name's Claxar. <laughs> I'm from Alpha Centauri. I am not driving drunk. <laughs> On the ground, Claxar. <laughs> oh, God. For this call of the week, uh, it wasn't me per se that was involved in this incident, but I was really close by and I was second on scene. And I thought it was a pretty... Uh, funny anecdote that i would share so first of all one thing that you don't do is lie to the police second thing that you don't do is run from the police true and true um so this particular officer he was with me in the academy and he was kind of like the guy that liked doing stuff on his own Uh which isn't really you know you're not supposed to like contact people by yourself right or it's frowned upon i guess right uh, he contacted someone, didn't say anything over the radio. And Ooh, then, that's a big no-no. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me, can I explain why that's probably a big no-no? You go ahead. If you ever contact anyone, it's the first thing you always do is let everyone know where you are, number one. Mm-hmm. Because if anything bad happens, everyone knows where they need to go to find you. Correct. Number two, it'd probably be a good idea to give dispatch an idea of what you're doing. Just, again, <laughs> so if something bad happens, everyone knows what they're kind of coming into. Correct. So, already starting off on a pretty bad foot there. Yeah. So, this guy... Uh, Next thing I hear over the radio, and I think I was maybe maybe two or three blocks away, so I wasn't far. 
he calls out that he deployed his taser. Ooh. So I was thinking, oh, okay, he just, you know, whatever. Contacted someone, they ran, he tased him, whatever. I get there, and he's on the ground putting this guy in handcuffs, and I see the taser leads uh, coming from his passenger door. <laughs> and I'm like, did, like, did he tase him and then throw his, like, taser in his passenger seat as like he was you know, right right so it wasn't in his way or he didn't want the guy to get to it whatever um no turns out the guy was on a bicycle he recognized the guy as having felony warrants and he told him to stop over the speaker the loudspeaker of the car uh-huh. the guy did not stop he continued to ride his bike and he rolled down his passenger window and tased him out <laughs> the passenger window it's so ridiculous. First off, let me say that I th- find it very funny as to the the scene you walked up on yeah. and you trying to piece together what happened. Yeah, Briar, like, hmm, did he have a partner with him that just disappeared? Right, that was shot from the window. Like, where's his taser? Yeah, that would just be very, very confusing to me. Yeah, so I was just like, what happened? Like, I asked him. He's like, oh, he, you know, this is so-and-so. He had felony warrants. He was riding his bike. I told him to stop. He didn't stop. Tased him through the window. I was like, wow. Like, that's a, I mean, for one, shooting a taser, uh, a standing target, not moving, that's pretty good, right? Because a a lot of cops, for some reason, have issues with that because of the short distance and the the Mm -hmm. angle of the probes that come out. But he had him while he was riding a bike and got a good connection to where he locked up on That's the amazing. bike. And it's also very, very frowned upon because of the, the amount of uh, the so, moving target, especially someone running or actually riding on a bike, the would cause, it'd be an increased chance of them getting severely injured. Let's call it self-destruction. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. And he did that all by himself. Yep. Nice. So, I mean... Um, repercussions. Let's talk about that. Any repercussions came from that? You know, in 2012, when tasers were still relatively new, uh-huh. there was no policy on moving targets or anything like that. Mm. So, he wasn't in any... I mean, in the wrong in anything. So Interesting. Now, you know, with our department policy, you can't... If someone's running on concrete, don't tase them, period. So Yeah. It's frowned upon. I've done it before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I try not to. I would prefer to like go hands-on and like take them down that way. Yeah. Just because there's so many variables in terms of like tasing someone. You don't know how they're going to fall. You don't know if they're going to lock up. Because typically I've seen it. I've seen it a few times where their bodies become stiff. and Like a fish out of water. Man. Yeah. And, or like a, just a tree falling to the ground. And yeah. Typically their heads take the brunt of... It's the first thing that hits the ground. Oh, it's like, like honestly, I feel like covering my ears every time I hear it. It's like a cantaloupe hitting the ground. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I try not to. I try to go hands-on just so I can kind of mitigate maybe any damage. And I don't know. I just don't like using that particular tool too yep. much. I've done it before, but I don't like it. So. Yeah. So that is my call of the week. And. What was the guy's name? Was it Klaxar, ruler of the Alpha Centauri? <laughs> universe uh we're gonna end this episode on a note not with aliens no that's not my (laughs) bottle of bourbon i am not driving that car my name Uh, is jen or al or val or whatever his name my name is i mean my name is john smith (laughs) no i'm not from alpha centauri this is dirk mason and teddy maxwell signing off have a good day (laughs) 